embrace you. It is the last light that you'll ever see. Long lay the world in shade and terror lying. Now all is saved thanks to Menoth's purity. A thrill of flame, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, see the conflagration. everybody and welcome to episode 200 of line of sight my name is Jaden, and i'm here with brett yes i'm here sorry i was partying yeah uh holy crap that's uh that's a lot of episodes brett yeah it's very Um, close to four years of episodes if we did every single week yeah eight, eight episodes off so you know in two months it'll be you know four years of episodes that's crazy talk yeah. well because we did we haven't missed an episode in a while yeah i think we'll have missed a grand total of one in 2021 mm-hmm. which is well you did two episodes once so there you go <laughs> and i did two episodes once yeah so we, we did technically put out 52 episodes we'll put out 52 episodes this uh this year and then you know i think there was like in 2018 there was like a two or three month period where we barely did anything <laughs> and uh no, yeah, because that's when my son was born. Yep, that that's was right. why. And um, I think Chandler and I did like two episodes. Yep. Yeah, basically. And then when my daughter was born this time, it was like, well, I guess I'm coming back really fast, guys, because <laughs> suddenly it was <laughs> just like, we're, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry to toot our own horns, but uh, we're pretty yeah. excited about 200. <laughs> we are. Um, so news. Uh, no. Line of sight news. <laughs> we're going to live stream episode 201. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. um, We had a really good idea for episode 200 and Chandler realized he couldn't make it after we made the announcement. Uh, So then we fixed it and now we moved it to next week. Yeah. So we're going to be live streaming that on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash LOS War Machine. We're going to be probably doing video for all of the co-hosts, which is going to be interesting because I don't think most people know what we look like. Um, (laughs) We're going to be interacting with There was that one time where I didn't know what you looked like. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that'll be that'll be exciting. Um, we're going to be hopefully doing video. We will absolutely have the chat open, so we'll be, yep. you know, taking questions and stuff as we go through. This um, episode's going to be like four hours long. <laughs> that episode that episode is going to be very long. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, it's the last long form War Machine podcast we'll be doing, so that's kind of fitting. 
Um, and yeah, and I also I'm going to try really, really hard to bully Chandler into getting his freaking half of the recording done so that we can also put like Chandler and I singing as the introduction of the recorded version of that podcast. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. OK, yeah. If we get it done, we'll also listen to it. And even if we don't get it done, maybe we'll just listen to my half <laughs> or make Chandler do it live or make Chandler do it live <laughs> or I or 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 I could just record the other half and it could just be me. Sure. But that's more reasonable. I like just we start. And we're like, okay, you've got 30 minutes to, 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 to practice, and then you're going to be doing it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be great. Uh, I'm very excited about that. So please come join yeah. us. We um, already revealed the topic, right? No, we haven't talked about it at all. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Never mind. We'll be surprised. It's a surprise. Um, yeah. So that's, that's going to be very fun. That'll be next week, December 30th. At around eight fifteen Pacific time, we usually record around eight, and you know, fifteen minutes for setup and all that. Um, You're an optimist. I love that. I'm. My boys are staying with my mother that night. No, so. I meant uh, giving a, a Twitch stream start in fifteen minutes with new technology. Oh, I mean, okay. I'll try and get the webcam ready before then. Okay. Uh, I mean, we'll figure it out. We, we might do a dry run on like Wednesday or whatever. Um. Other than that, I don't think there is anything. Brawl Machine's coming out in January. Oh, Brawl Machine's coming out. Um, should I spoil the gigantic changes that we're making or not? I mean, I'm not on board with it yet. So. <laughs> okay. Until Brett's on board with it, we won't talk about it. Uh, but yes, Brawl Machine update will be coming on January 8th. I'm committing to that so that I get it done. January 8th, 9th at the latest, because 8th is a Friday. Um, Which so should give you, you know, two and a half weeks before... Um, LVO, yeah. which is yep. a big event for Brawl Machine. It is, because the first ever Brawl Machine World Championship will be there. Um, and that is the one where everybody is, or sorry, Brawl Machine World Invitational Championship, something like that. I can't remember what the actual mm -hmm. name is. But it's open for everybody this year. And if you want to run Brawl Machine qualifiers for the 2023 edition, they are open. And you can check at lvois.com. Uh, to sign up for those things and also shoot uh, Tyson emails about what that entails because he's the one running all of that madness. Um, uh, is that it? Oh, uh, the website will be going down on December 17th for... Sorry, not December 17th. December 27th. 27th, 26th, 27th, 28th. That's the Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah sure. December 28th for a while, maybe the whole day, maybe half the day. Uh, maybe more than one day um, as Chandler, Brett and I work on updating the website so that it's functional. We have come up with what will hopefully be a very good workaround for Squarespace's insanely limiting architecture. Yes. And uh, if it works, it'll be great. And if it doesn't, it'll be better than it is right now. Yes. And I'm also going to be using the holiday break to try and finish Fallen Quarters. Um, so that hopefully we can do video video content for it at LVO. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. So I'll have to bring a warp. Yeah, because I don't have anything except for Crucible Guard anymore. So we better well, get that. Let's just finish the Crucible Guard, so that's easy. <laughs> nice, cool. Yeah, so we're gonna take some video of that LVO, and it'll be great. And I'm excited for that. Speaking of which, LVO is the 28th through the 30th of January, I believe. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't gotten your tickets, <laughs> what? Yeah, because it's sold out. It is. It is sold out. But you can get on the wait list. And here's the thing: even if you can't play in the events for War Machine, you can come play in the like Iron Arena and hang out. Yeah. And I'm gonna be very, very honest with you here. 
Um, there's not going to be everybody who says they're going to be there that's going to be there. So there's almost guaranteed to be ways to sneak in to the champion or sorry, the master's heats um, and the brawl machine events too, I think, uh, you know, day of. So they, they will 100% find a way for you to get them money if it becomes necessary. Yeah. Also, plane tickets to Las Vegas are freaking cheap. Yeah. What the heck? I was I was looking because I'm booking my flight this week and it's like hundred and forty dollars. Huh. All right, then. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Cool. It is pretty sweet. Um, yeah. And then after that, I don't know. ATC is happening sometime next year, but it's way too early to talk about that. And we don't have a date. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to do a typical Jaden and Brett episode. <laughs> Where we highly talk about analytical. some highly <laughs> analytical, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into some probably mostly BS um, analysis of things. So, Brett, why don't <laughs> you, don't you introduce have to say that first. beforehand? <laughs> um, so, the topic this week is how do you pick a tabletop war game that's right for you? Mm-hmm. And so, we're going to talk about um, Bartle's Taxonomy, which is a, a really old. A uh, way to talk about the kinds of people who enjoy um, massively multiplayer online RPGs. Uh, actually, they were, I think it was for MUDs. That's how old that is. Mm. Um, and then uh, we're going to try and translate that into what people want out of tabletop games. And then we're going to talk about why we love War Machine so much. So kind of a, <laughs> kind of getting back into the holiday thankful thing. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... Bartle's taxonomy is like one of those sort of four quadrant kind of tests where you take a quiz and it's a bunch of questions and then it tells you where you fall in those quadrants. I don't think the quiz is nearly as important as the concept of the four kinds of interaction. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's it's almost like the four kinds of joy you get out of. Yeah, or, or the four ways you get that you, you know, get meaning out of the thing yeah and what's really cool about it is that one of them is 100 percent unrelated to the mechanics of the game mm-hmm. so like well, i mean the ways you get joy that oh, really I, I would argue that achiever yeah, and we'll, socializer we'll are yeah, yeah. not related to the mechanics at all but sure go ahead yeah. okay so yeah so um it kind of like myers-briggs it splits uh players into four which is obviously reductive um, but it's an interesting thought experiment on to get you to think about people that are unlike you and what they like out of games. Mm-hmm. So the four categories are achiever, explorer, killer, and socializer. And we're obviously going to start with achiever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably worth just like going through what they kind of in general represent, right? Sure. They have like a, a baseline thing. So if you want to go ahead and, and do that. And it's also useful to say, unlike X, Y enjoys this. Mm-hmm. So um, achievers enjoy the uh, getting to the mechanical end and being the very best. So things like getting slight incremental improvements. Remember, this is all in mouse. Getting slight incremental improvements in um, equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. Going up a leaderboard. Finishing all of the achievements. Finishing all the quests. That mm-hmm. kind of thing where they're like, there is a goal. I know how to get there and I'm going to grind, grind, grind until I get what I want. They, they like the social aspects because that can help them say, st- stay sane while they do that for hundreds of hours. And <laughs> you know, um, if they find like-minded achievers, 
they can help them get to these goals easier team effort um they they like fighting with other players because there's uh, there's achievement to be had there and there's dominance to be had there but it's not their favorite thing to do because a it's hard and b it's generally limited um you can't really get um you know that that endless um uh, dopamine release uh right. through players uh, it's, it's also not as reliable um and what's the last one <laughs> i forgot oh exploring um they hate hate exploring because um they they ha- they have to know all of these ins and outs and glitches and stupid shit that doesn't make any sense um mm-hmm. and so when someone finds a new one of that and beats them with it they get extremely mad <laughs> yeah yeah and so okay so then let's move on to the next one uh the next mm-hmm. one i'm thinking of is the killer um yep. the killer purely wants to show dominance they want to be they want to be better than everyone around them and they want to be respected for that they mm-hmm. they they do not care uh, about other people's enjoyment unless they're helping them they they just want to show that they're better in direct one-on-one combat right um so they love people who are social uh because they're you know not going to be the most powerful um mm-hmm. they um and, and then the other two are you know they're they're that they they are the content for them so they're important yeah um it's a little bit hard to track killer on the tabletop games which i'm sure we'll get to later yeah um, i have some ideas about it but yeah okay good yeah um because one of the benefits of tabletop games is that it's much less anonymous um and so eschewing social norms like that is a good way to get kicked out of a community yes quickly i might add yes yes whereas in massively multiplayer games there are enough like-minded people that you can kind of get together yeah absolutely Um, and then the next one is explorers um Mm -hmm. This one's really easy to map tabletop games. <laughs> um, <laughs> these are the people who insist on playing jankless every single week. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Their only their their form of joy has nothing to do with winning, um, and everything to do with pulling together some random nonsense. If that wins, great. <laughs> if it doesn't, whatever. That's the fun of the game. <laughs> My combos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're very much the Johnny. Or or Jenny in uh, Magic, I believe. Sure, I think that's how that maps. Yeah, because Tim, Timmy's lore, Timmy's lore. No, no, so Spike... Vorgoth is lore. All right, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy is, is Timmy like is big fun things. Big fun things. Spike is what I am. Um... <laughs> Timmy and Tammy. Uh, Spike is winning. Yep. Um, Vorgoth is lore. Oh, I can't remember the other two. Yeah, I can't either because when I when I originally started playing Magic, there yeah, were only three. Only so, three. Yeah. yep. And then, oh, and the last one is Socializer. I think this one's fascinating in Bartle's Taxonomy because yeah. social players don't interact with the mechanics. The joy they get out of the game is interacting with other people. They don't care about winning. They don't care about killing. They don't care about finding things. They want to either role play or organize. You know, a twenty person. Uh, raid or like like get together with people and just hang out and just have fun and i think it's extremely important to not forget that there are people who enjoy something that i find incomprehensible <laughs> yeah th- this one i i literally just don't understand 
yeah. at least like for, for MMOs, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, these are like the guild mobs, like and and these are the press gangers in mm-hmm. tabletop games. These are absolutely critical to having your game work. Um, yeah, and that's actually one of the interesting things about Bartle's taxonomy is that mm-hmm. you want to shape the environment so that you get the right mix of these kinds of players. That is true. Because so you do like, kind you of know, want all of them, right? Yes, yes. Because you you need an obstacle for the explorer or for the achievers. You need um, explorers to find new things for achievers to do. You need social players to keep them all going and enjoying the process. But if mm-hmm. you have too many killers, then nobody wants to socialize, or uh, and achievement becomes like an arms race, mm-hmm. and you just can't explore. So right. And so, yeah, each one of those, if they grow out of control, can make the experience worse for everyone. Yep. So, shall we talk about what we are and how that sort of fits <laughs> into our wargaming experience? Yes. So, yeah, so we, we did the quick test, um, yep. and we're, <laughs> we're fortunately unsurprised by the results. Uh, yeah, um, no, not, a, not surprised at all. So, have you played a lot of, a lot of MMOs? I have not. I have played okay. a little bit of Final Fantasy fourteen. I've played a tiny, tiny little bit bit of Warcraft when I was like, or sorry, World of Warcraft when I was like fourteen. Right. Um, but basically, no, I have not played MMOs. Well, so I got back into WoW during the pandemic, and then something bad happened to Blizzard, and now I don't play it. Um, and then, um, so this kind of that that specific experience kind of covers this um, because mm-hmm. one of the things I did enjoy was pvp combat because they were able to reshape it into um kind of uh, into a a single player feeling experience where you're playing against faceless people and you don't and they're basically just better ai Mm -hmm. so i think i think that really upped my killer score interesting okay so what Um, are you (laughs) i i am almost entirely (laughs) an achiever um i'm a grinder right i I love when jinkless work and I can take their work. I love when um, social people set up communities so I can get more games. But what I want to do is I want to be the very best and I want to get that trophy. I want to say I've won X tournament and that's what I that's like. I want that achievement. I want that feeling and, I, and I'll work hard to get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you were like a like 90 percent <laughs> achiever, basically. <laughs> Yeah, and then like fifty percent killer, and then everything else was less than twenty. Yeah. So also, <laughs> just for people that are yeah, people that are like, wait, that doesn't add up to hundred. No, it doesn't. It's like, yeah. w- how much do you identify with this? Like, what percent like well, so uh, association do you have? If we're if we're gonna break down the test, the test is very clearly it's it's two two choice questions where if you answer one way, it brings you it brings your score up in one, and if you answer the mm-hmm. other way, it brings your score up in the other. Yeah. Yep. And I am very similar to Brett, turns out. I was, although not as extreme, <laughs> I was 67%. Well, I think that's, yeah, you're a lot closer. Yeah, I'm a lot more rounded, I guess. I don't yes. know. Well, um, you were also interested in, in Explorer and Killer. Yeah, so uh, I, I scored very high. You're a, lot, like, you're a lot more willing to try Jank than I am. Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, so yeah, I scored 67% in an achiever and then 53% tied even in both killer and explorer and then like just under 30% for socializing, which perfectly, perfectly tracks. Right, because we we desperately need press gangers, but it's a lot of work and we're not willing to do it. Well, I mean, 
I have done it. Oh, you have? Okay. I mean, I, I, I have. Look at our Discord. Look That's at Brawl Machine. Fair enough. But I wouldn't oh, say see, that. I, like, see, I see Brawl Machine as an achievement where it's like, we're going to grind off the rough edges and make a better experience. Oh, sure. I mean, like, I, oh, I also see it in that something way. I, I something ahead. I very much want to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like 10 years out of date, so it might not be true. But one of the most consistent, let me make sure I get the right word here. Well, yeah, one of the most consistent gender differences that is seen in psychology is that men prefer to work with things and women prefer mm. to work with people with people even yeah. when they're doing the same job yep they what they perceive the job as is very different like i love my job because um um because i like you know solving these coding problems and you know being able to help people or and i bet it's that latter that um a, a female version of me wouldn't really enjoy about that job right yeah absolutely and uh yeah so I, you know, I, I also like to grind, but I also have the, uh, I like to explore things as evidenced by, you know, the formats we've been making. But yeah, like I was, I was thinking about, it, I was like, you know, like I, I don't understand this like social thing being so low for me because I really do like making these places for people to be, but then part of me is like, yeah, but also you're just measuring it against everything else and going, all right, we got to catch up <laughs> to that, that, and we got to have more than that. It's got to uh, be, yeah, our, our motives are very colored by, um, <laughs> Yes, um, which is interesting. And actually, it's a really good um, way to frame things. Like if you know that about yourself and, I, and I've known that about myself for a long time, um, yeah. reframing things in a way that drives you can be really useful for getting you over things that you really don't want to do, but you really have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for example, when I was taking my gen eds in college, my friends and I would compete for the highest score and the person that got the highest score didn't have to buy dinner that weekend. Um, oh, that's great yeah so, so like yeah, it was just gamified it in a way that makes it more interesting for you yeah exactly and as a result we broke our professor's curve and everybody in the class hated us <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds he, like future war machine players yeah he was so angry he was like i have never given out more than 100 percent on an essay in a term and i've given out 15 <laughs> this term you guys suck it's like <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. but but most of us scored 100 percent every time, so we don't know who won, whose essay was better. And he's like, "Get out!" <laughs> <laughs> I imagine one exactly like that. Uh, pretty close. Oh wow, really? That's yeah, funny. it was pretty close. Yeah. He's like, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> yeah, and so like, that's why okay. we think it's so important to you don't have to break yourself into these groups or whatever groups will come up for tabletop games, but I think it's extremely important to know what you enjoy out of a game because yeah. this will keep you from being trapped in a game that ha, like you like has moved away from you or um or like maybe it just was never the right game for you mm-hmm. um and so i think it's and even if it's less intense than that you can just focus more on the things that you that you like more like if yeah. you enjoy the social aspect maybe you know you set up a gaming group and you set up a discord and you know you just kind of show up to the games to so you can talk to people if mm-hmm. you're if you're um, into like the lore aspect, maybe you try and run a narrative league or something like that. Yeah. I also just want to like shout out what Chandler got because he's very different than us. <laughs> yes. um, and in retrospect, 100% obvious. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, it's and it's, it's like all of these things. It's just like, oh, well, duh. And I mean, it's that way for like personality tests, too, right? Like if you think about it for a hot second, you're like, yeah, well, no kidding. Um, so Chandler is 73% explorer. 
And if you look at the list that Chandler's come up with over the years, <laughs> this fits. <laughs> I mean, like when I met him in person for the first time, he was playing Crowback 2 with like 15 R guys. <laughs> yeah. So like that hasn't changed. Nope, and, not at all. And he plays more game systems than the two of us combined, right? Yeah, regularly plays for sure. I'm catching oh, up in terms of like actual numbers, but yeah, sure. Um, he's he's 53% achiever, which is a second thing, which also makes sense because, you know, I think that's going to be common in War Machine players. Yeah, it's going to be high up there. And then he's a socializer and then he's a killer. And funny story just like about Chandler because we love him. Um, Chandler will take will not take 98, 99% assassination runs. He just won't. Unless there's literally no other option. He's like, but I could just score this point here, Jaden. And I don't think you can do anything about that. So I'm going to do that. Because and he wants more game, right? Yeah. And also because he just doesn't trust the numbers. Oh, like, sure. But I can, I can have this point for free. And I can <laughs> run this model over here. And I don't have to roll any dice. It's infinite value. Yeah, it's so good. I don't have to roll anything. I'm like, but she could just kill my caster. I did something really risky last turn to stay in the game. He's like, yeah, but I'm still winning. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Just just kill my caster. That is is the worst when you're like, all right, I'm going to do a risky play attempt to win. They're like, don't even notice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, like, no joke. I have watched Chandler just like look at a high 90% assassination run. Go. Nah, and do something else more times than I can count. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, so obviously he's, you know, quite a bit different than us, and that translates pretty obviously. Uh, and I think that's important in any group, but especially mm-hmm. one that's trying to produce something every week for uh, four years. Yeah. Well, I'm going <laughs> to be honest. I was, I, w- I was surprised that we were that close. I thought I'd be closer to Chandler. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just I don't think yeah, I of think, myself think as the something. achiever. You know, I think there's yeah. I think this is something where that's different between tabletop games and MMOs. I think there's another aspect to it. Probably we should make the line of sight taxonomy of tabletop war gamers. Let's do it. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said we would do. Yeah. All right. I mean, okay. Context here, everybody. I come up with a crazy idea about once every two days. And 99% of them get no from Chandler or <laughs> from Brett. either or Chandler or Brett. That's why it's very important that there's three of us. <laughs> yeah. So when Brett says, yeah, let's do it, that means that we're well over halfway to doing something dumb, <laughs> like making the line of sight taxonomy of tabletop war gamers. Yes. And that's why, oh, boy. The, that's why the, it, all the votes have to be unanimous. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, let's talk let's, about this in terms about... of wargaming. Yeah, let's try. Let's talk about broad things first before we try and come up with individual players. Okay. So, okay. So, I think the first and most obvious joy from tabletop games that's different than video games is the tactile and visual aspect. Like, there is something in the human brain that loves using tools and reacts Mm -hmm. positively to. Um, to like seeing their efforts come to fruition and like, you know, like having a magnificent object. Yes. Also the click clack math rocks go boom, which yes. is. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's why people hate war table days so much. Um, yeah. And so I, th- I think that's an important place to start is that. Mm-hmm. 
as frustrating as, as it is to me, there are people who really just love pushing models and rolling dice. Okay, so would this then be a tactile, like a, uh, a kineticist kind of like category that MMOs just don't have because you play with a mouse so, and a keyboard? So the version of this for MMO is searching for the flow state where you're not thinking consciously anymore. You're just in this like, like this wonderful loop where your brain is 100% firing, but you're not like mm-hmm. consciously thinking of each action. So mm-hmm. I think searching for that flow state, that state of joy, um, I think that does translate between the two of them. It's just experienced very differently. It does, although I'm going to disagree with you here that it has anything to do with the kinetics of it because I yeah. think, so for me, and I get into that flow state really, really easily because I'm a musician, and so I have to. So you, yeah, you've literally trained that. I have trained myself to do that. Um, the difference is, so so the, the similarity is that when you're doing that in a computer game and when you're doing it on the tabletop, you are taking in all the information, you understand it perfectly, and you're reacting in just exactly the way you want to. It doesn't have anything to do with like the aesthetics of what's going on, although that is how you receive the information, I think. Um, but it has to do with the complete understanding of your environment and your complete control over it. Okay. And, and so, and I think you're, I think you're right. This is something I'm describing differently because I do not experience the visual or tactile uh, uh, part of the game, but I mm-hmm. definitely experience the flow state. Yes. And I think most people can or have at some point. And I think it has a lot to do with like familiarity with the rules of your list, your opponent's list, the scenario, um, understanding of tempo of the game. Yeah, basically um, not finding any stopping points, like stumbling points. Right. Yeah. And it's it's what like I'm trying to think of a really good game example here that I've seen. Um Have you played One Finger Death Punch? Oh no, I'm talking like a specific war machine game that I've oh, like, oh, sorry. watched. Okay. And it's, it's trying to remember if there's like any video well, of it out it's, there. It's like when people complain that tournament games are too long and I'm like, or like opponents turns are too long. And I'm like, what are you doing on their turn? Cause like <laughs> right. I am firing on all cylinders every, yeah. everything, every, every second of their turn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things where it's, it's very much like, are you engaged or are you not engaged? Yeah. Um, Okay, let's let's try and find a different joy. Okay. So I think we've described two of them. And mm-hmm. I think that flow state might be related. Do you think that's related to the the emotion you get out of tactics games in general? Tactics games in general. Or um, or is this tie more to like the dominance achiever thing? I don't think it's really necessarily tied to either of those things. Okay. I I, th- I find myself so like if I have to like um, cause it feels the same no matter what you're doing, uh, between mm-hmm. for me, at least between music, like war machine, video games, um, even sports, right. You can mm-hmm. get into flow state and all of those things. And it has to do with, I think your own like level of ability or like your own performance. And I okay. think performance is the right word because Absolutely. You, there's a ton of practice you have to do to get there. Yeah, and it's and it's all about the way that you are doing stuff, which is a performance. And you do have like you have an audience for all of these things. You're reacting to that. You have, um, you know, all of all of these different things that are happening, and it's you playing the part, um, mm-hmm. that that gets you out there. So I don't I don't necessarily think it's got anything to do with the tactileness of it because all of those things are very or, different, or the tacticness of it, or the <laughs> tacticness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it has more to do with 
um, just like internal harmony, maybe internal mm-hmm. confidence, something like okay. that. But the two we've described are definitely two different ways of turning off your brain and enjoying tabletop games. Yes, I agree. Um, turning off your conscious brain, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one I want to talk about is storytelling and aesthetics, because I think that's extremely important too. Yeah, and actually, I think those two go really, really well hand in hand. And there's something that um, the, the the aesthetics and maybe like these are similar things between MMOs, which is what this is based off of, and tabletop games. Um, the aesthetics includes the tactileness of the things that you're interacting with, probably. And let me oh, like throw, big chunky models feel better than yeah, and when light breeze. And, and I think the the yeah, exactly. And I think what the um, I think what the analog in MMOs is, is consider how much more enjoyable it is to play a computer game with a really nice mechanical keyboard. <laughs> right? Okay, that's not for me. But Okay, or I, like, I was, you know, a mouse that's set up about, nicely for well, you. So, um, and, well, I was going to go more story-based. Like, okay. Um, WoW does, does a lot of, like, drawing in characters that you've loved for 10 years often fucking them Mm -hmm. up but (laughs) like (laughs) the idea of you're drawn into the this shared fiction of you know i'm doing x to help y because i find Mm -hmm. it really compelling and i think that translates directly to tabletop games i think there are people who love coming up with like i I like having a reason for why my army looks the way it does like Mm -hmm the way I paint my Neverborn, the way I paint my circle. Um, well, yeah, think, that's, that's the only way I've seen you paint is you make up a story and then you paint yep. that story. Yep. And then I think a lot of people bring that uh, several steps further and they go, um, here is the specific backstory of this character. And uh, I love picturing, you know, how this represents, you know, Warcaster ability and like what crazy tricks they're doing on the field. I think this mm-hmm. is something that D&D nails the hell out of yes i agree where um, it's like i want to make an illusionist i want them to act like a stage magician and but they actually have real magic to make it work <laughs> like mm-hmm. that kind of nonsense <laughs> well and it's interesting because you you like you're describing these things and i'm like yeah that that's really cool and then i'm like i don't think like that at all and as i'm thinking about that here i'm going back to that achievement thing because for me painting is all about how real can i make this look oh how fantastic trying- is this so you're not trying um, to win a specific competition, but you're trying to improve. I'm yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to compare what I'm doing to what reality looks like or what I think reality would look like well, in this situation. Some some sort of grading criteria, right? Right. Yeah, and it's actually been on my mind a lot lately because I'm painting this entire army in like not very much time and the difference is um I'm not trying to make these like I'm trying to make these look cool. I'm not trying to make them look accurate. If that mm-hmm. makes any difference or if that makes any sense. And I think that's like a huge part of it is for me like that tactileness for the painting part is more achievement based than story based. Right. But there, I think there are definitely people who come at it from the other direction. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. You're one of them. Like, right. Yeah. And, <laughs> which I hadn't thought about until we started talking, but yeah, yeah you're right. Which is, which is pretty cool. Like, and I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't give it like, I don't care about painting until I have like, okay, here's the subversive thing I'm doing with this army. Yep. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. There's a lot of people that probably subcontin and, and another thing, like, I think people probably are going to listen to this and go, oh, actually, that is me. And they probably never thought about it that way before because Mm -hmm. I sure hadn't. Right. 
like it's painting. Yeah. I paint because I like to paint. No, I like I paint because I want to paint better. Right. <laughs> right. And um, I, th- I think that's something. Okay, I think we're skipping ahead, but I think that's something War Machine does better than anyone else is the ratio between time play, time spent practicing and learning and grinding and results out. Yeah, absolutely. Like the difference now, between somebody who knows all the rules and somebody who doesn't is just absurd. And there are there are pros to randomness. That's why mm-hmm. randomness still exists in War Machine. But the joy of making them controllable is that you get that repeatable improvement feeling. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably come back to this in a minute because we're still talking yeah, about other so. stuff. But yeah, I think that's, so. we'll dive back into that. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I think I think Achiever just almost translates directly. Where yeah, Achiever I trans- want to translate directly. So I want let's, let's go through these. I want, I want sure. to hit X goal, right? Like I want to do X thing. I want to beat X person. I want to have X X record, right? Yeah. Um, so let's just go through these four really fast, and because we've talked about a few that aren't on this list, and see if we can make analogs for War Machine. And maybe there's a few things we want to talk about after that. But so he, you said Killer was a really hard one. Here's my Killer one. I want to kill the caster every oh, game. I had a meaner one. Okay. Um, they're the cheaters. Hmm. I don't know if that's mm. is mm. more important for me to see my opponent lose than it is for me to improve. See, I don't know if I agree with that because like the killer wants to win, but they want to win the <laughs> oh, game they want to win as honorably. described, right? You're they want right. to win they, the game as they described. Want, they want what I always describe. They want their opponent to shake their hand and say, God damn, you're better than me. Yeah. And like everybody that I know that like, likes okay so i'm just i'm just kind of things okay that's great okay yeah but no, like, no, I'm, so like, I'm really happy because no one's gonna identify themselves as the cheater <laughs> right but okay so let's let's look at some alternatives that i could be in war machine they like to kill the caster right yes i know lots of people that prefer to win that way they think it's way more fulfilling to like figure out the way to kill the opponent's caster well um and i i think uh so that's one of the things that i love about infinity just to be complete just go completely off scale um mm-hmm. so assassination and infinity are similar in that they are not tabletop war games they're competitive mm-hmm. tabletop puzzle games you're mm-hmm. trying to work out this the crazy steps to achieve a certain goal whether that goal is to do 18 damage to a caster or to you know break a msv2 out of a cloud like, right okay and i think that's a form of joy that's really typified by assassinations i agree um, here's my other idea for what a killer is. They're the person that loves playing a skew list and going, yeah, got the tools for this. Mm. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and I think, and I can see where the distinction is. I hate playing scar one. Mm-hmm. I think that's still true in Mark three. I certainly hate playing her in Mark two. So the problem with scar one and Mark two is that she was extremely good, but she did not reflect the player's skill. Mm-hmm. A bad player of Scar One was almost as good as the best Scar One player in the world. Slight, slight hyperbole, but yeah, yeah, definitely hyperbole. Yeah, um, yeah, and but like and the so, killer, so a killer would enjoy that skew because they get because that's what they're concerned about. An achiever 
would go, I can't improve at this and get frustrated. Yeah, unless uh, but again, the, the achiever could see that as a means to an end. Like if the achievement is I mm. want to win this thing and the scar one list is the best thing, they don't care. So, right. So do we need to break grinders and achievers apart? Probably. So an achiever is more concerned with the outcomes. A grinder wants to improve and that's their that's the only thing they care about. Achievement comes because of that work. Yeah, I think we're I don't know. I think we're probably treading in waters that we don't fully have the right to tread in at this point, but that's yeah. probably a, a reasonable distinction there. And and I think the killer, like, I think that you could make it an ob- like a, a, an analog for War Machine, like the assassination run or the I'm bringing a skew list. Did you bring the tools? Right. Because they're fighting inside enjoyable. the rules of the game. Yeah, there absolutely is. Um, I, I got to experience it a couple of weeks ago when I took a, an anti gun line list and plopped it down into a Syria and get said, oh, you killed no models on your feet turn. Mm-hmm. sweet <laughs> yeah but you know and i think it's it's there the killer is trying to hunt down specific play styles of lists maybe that they want to play and then they want to beat everybody with them right they're less concerned with like total win percentage than they are with that feeling of utter domination yeah which a skew list presents a lot of, or assassination, like a good assassination run, feel, you know, presents that feeling as well. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, it just completely breaks their heart. They're like, oh, I was so ahead and I messed up. Yeah. Or even I wasn't so ahead. I just couldn't, you know, puzzle you better than you output, like unpuzzled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I think uh, that's a really, I think that's, as we mentioned, probably the least translatable, but I think that that's where I would go. I think we don't understand it very well. Probably I think not. The word, the word doesn't describe it very well, and we haven't done enough research. No. Um, the socializer is really easy. Um, yes. It, it's the people who are there to be with their friends. And the people who run events, for sure. And the run, people who run events, yeah. It's also the person who, like, Chandler's probably more social than it actually, like, if he was a War Machine person, um, he only scored 40% on socializer, but I think he's a lot higher than that. Because... Chandler will just talk to you during the game constantly. Mm, He'll just yeah. chat about everything. He's like, ah, oh, what about this? So what do you think about this? How about that? Uh, I don't know if that's a great plan, but you know what? We're going to do it. Or blah, blah, blah. Dice, how you feeling yeah. today? You know? Um, and so they're there to, to socialize with the person across the table with that, from them. Mm-hmm. And I think this is... I think the kind of socialization you get in tabletop games is very different than that Oh yeah, they're they're completely different. You can't compare them. So. It's a lot more small group, close friendships. You know, meeting mm-hmm. up across uh, different places, or you know, going to a big event and sharing your stories. Whereas I feel like MMOs are a lot more organization and and role playing on the off of the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can do role playing with um, War Machine and other tabletop games. I did play in an event a few years ago where you got points for role-playing your caster and what they would do in the situation mm-hmm. which was interesting and weird and as a result i just played butcher because i didn't want to have to think about it too hard <laughs> i was like butcher will charge anything that's in charge range every turn every game that was that was my role-playing yep. i was like yeah all right um but yeah they're, they're very different and part of that is also because uh, as you mentioned earlier, in MMOs, you get to be completely anonymous if you want to be. Mm-hmm. In war games, and so you, you have don't. to work hard to make connections. Right. And in war games, it's like, 
oh hey i played that person in you know the finals or the semifinals or like the bottom bracket or, or whatever they're one of the you know five people who play war machine <laughs> yeah in, in your in your town and so you get to know them yeah. really well and you know and if you go to conventions and uh you'll eventually notice that there is a pretty tight-knit like if you go to multiple of them you'll see people that like greet each other like best of friends and you're like wait a minute you're from like toronto and you're from arizona like what's case going in point, on line of sight case in point line of sight um <laughs> see each other four times a year when it's not covid yeah, yeah. so yeah um there okay. is one that i do want to talk about that oh, sure. like I don't, I don't know where to put it and i think we've maybe touched on it briefly but like what is the modeler like where does that fit the person who likes making conversions and making their models look good. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. that's, the, maybe that's the person that's there for the story, like the, the explorer. Well, I think it's also someone who's there for, um, visual art, mm-hmm. like the painter. Yeah. I think okay. it's in between those two. Probably. But, and, and yeah. And one thing I want to emphasize is that, uh, mechanical customization is not required for people to invest in and love the story of a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I uh, that's definitely love true. Ashlyn. Yep, there it is. I can't change anything <laughs> about her, right? Like, right. I just love um, her story. I love gun mages. I love the tragic, like all her tragic art is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love how she's a key part of the story, uh, even though it's just extremely difficult for her at all times. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side, I really like Terminus, actually, because yep. I just think he's cool. <laughs> you never forget your first. No. And I mean, even like <laughs> it's the one, Terminus is one of game, those casters. Right? It got me into the game. But then also just like he's a boss. The stories yeah. where he comes into the battlefield, he it's just wrecks everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> It takes like eight war casters to take him down and they don't even kill him. They just imprison him. It's like, eh, yes, this which is, is. um, <laughs> life's a lich and then you never, ever die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, okay. Yeah. I so we've rambled on that enough. So let's talk about I, what we love about war machine or do you have something else? Uh, were we going to talk about which war game is right for you? Or are we just something right into war machine? Oh yeah. Let's talk about how to, how to pick a war game. That's right for you. Yeah. So, um, the first step go is self-reflection, right? Self-reflection. Yeah. So let's just, let's just use the Bartle taxonomy because we didn't really define things well enough to use our extended things here. So explore, achiever, socializer, killer. Um, okay. So I think, let's, de- let's describe a theoretical game. Mm-hmm. If you're strong in one and weak in another. Sure. So let's start with let's, things that we're not let's like. leave explore to last last. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a socializer, um, games that require, uh, an intense amount of like player interaction at all times across the board are going to be probably really good for you. Um, uh, things that have alternating activations, I think probably really good for you because you're going to have to talk you to your spend a lot of time saying, oh, wow, that's awesome. I hadn't thought. Yeah. That. Yep. Or you can go, well, what do I do now? And, you know, you can talk to your opponent about what's going on and, you know, you have a I'll- lot of. I would look for games that have alternate modes of play, especially cooperative. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so the one that's jumping to my head right immediately is Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> but and I think that's one of, one of the things that I don't care about Marvel. But one of the things that I think is really critical about it is that they have those like one versus many scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They do. They're cool. Um, I don't particularly care for them a whole lot, but they are really, really cool. And people do really like them. And that's a great thing for the social person. Um, the other thing and, is, and I think it's important. I think those alternate modes of play are important because they weed out the people who are just concerned with becoming better, right? Like, yeah, or the, the killers. The they're gonna yes. they're gonna get rid of those as well. Yes. Yeah, a killer doesn't want to be on your side. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. No, they don't want to beat the game. They want to beat you. Um, and I think I think outside of tabletop gaming is a really good place to look to, like. Um, role-playing games in general, uh, things yeah. like Descent or Catacombs. Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, um, all of those wonderful things. Uh, uh, even even sorry, like... The, um, Catacombs are four games that have co-op. Yeah. Even like, so this isn't straight straight up co-op, but it's, you know, sort of co-op is um, Call to Adventure is a really social game that I think people that are high for socializ- socialization would love. And uh, uh, I think... Call of Adventure is probably the best board game for storytellers. Right up there with Pandemic mm-hmm. Legacy. Yeah, it's really good. And the new one even has ways to port your end character over to a 5e character sheet, which is delightful. <laughs> I swear we're not sponsored. Nope. Oh, but that would be really cool. So if yeah. you're like one of the developers of Call to Adventure and for some reason you're listening to this podcast, which you're not, uh, you know, our, our DMs yeah. are open and we'd love to talk. Um <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're not afraid to show for your game. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say um, you're a explorer. What kind of tabletop game appeals to you? So you want something where there's a wide variety of super viable things that you can do with uh, your force. Um, okay, so by saying viable, you've made me think of a non-tabletop game that I think is a perfect example. Okay, like... Um, it's called Storybook Brawl. I got Chandler addicted to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very, um, I'm a, very deliberately staying away from this one, Brett. <laughs> it's not a subscription. Um, I, I know. Uh, so the reason that game is so fun is that it's like 10 minutes of, you know, desperate flailing to stay alive. And then one of five different insane wacky combos arises and your power just skyrockets to, to insanity. And so... The joy of that game is trying to figure out which of those directions to go and working out like, wait, if this works together with that the way I think it does, does this grow exponentially? Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would absolutely work. Um, So how would you see that in a tabletop game? So I'm going to go in a couple of different directions here. You can either have models that have super customizable rules Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking here of such, conquest. Yeah, such such that it's nearly impossible to explore every um, every combination. Yes, or where your uh, list and force building has not just models in it, but also lots of other things like Marvel Crisis Protocol or like uh, Malifaux. Oh yeah, Malifaux is insane because you build your list every time at the table. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Mar- I also think. Uh, Something that's non-mechanical. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a game with lots of updates is really important for this. I think uh, yeah. explorers would hate chess or go, right? A game that oh yeah, you have to sp- spend ten thousand hours just to start exploring. Yeah, 
No, for sure. I think that's probably a really important thing to stay away from that kind of thing if yeah. you're an explorer type. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, lots of room to explore in the list. And then the other thing that I, I, I will mention is lots of room to mess around with weird army ideas on the table um, yes. can be really, really interesting for explorers. And, um, and, and it's important that they feel fair that it doesn't feel like you're making something up yeah i think that's probably true um one of the better ones maybe for this is like age of sigmar has these really cool terrain garrisoning rules where you can like jump your entire unit into a piece of terrain and i believe you get to sort of help set up the terrain as part of the the process as you're buying it yeah i think so some some of them can um and so this this can be a really good one for you because you can sort of like explore ways to dramatically tr- change the way the battle's going to go by hopping an entire unit into like a gigantic tree or you know this and fortress or etc. I think fantasy battle is an extremely good example of how that can go horribly wrong. Um yep. when they when they introduced garrisons um the way the rules worked there were certain units that were just you just could not get them out of a garrison. It was not possible. Yeah, and that seems so, bad. Yeah, and so Instead of being this, wow, I can't believe you figured that out. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay, you you did it. Well done. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and th- those are the kinds of things. The other thing that I think that um, explorers really like is games with relatively light constraints on this building. Because if there are a lot of, like, so, for example, Conquest, would, I said, was would you argue pretty good. That, would you argue that synergies are something explorers enjoy? Yes, they do. I think that yeah. that is probably true. Um. Because they they like the feeling of building a machine out of disparate parts. Mm -hmm. And figuring out, like, something that nobody else has, you know, maybe tapped into. Okay, so this is something that League of Legends does um, really well, is trying to introduce mechanics that are not merely numerical advantages. Mm -hmm. You, you You want to have, you know, you've got... A versus B versus triangle, where it's like something that just acts completely differently. And it's not just better or worse at some aspect that you can do a calculation on. Right. Yeah, they're going to really like that. And um, I mentioned that Conquest is like a really good one for explorers, maybe Mm -hmm. because you can customize characters. But if you really hate army construction restraints, don't play Conquest because holy crap. Um, Well, (laughs) speaking of fantasy battle, (laughs) so they didn't have those uh, restrictions uh, and Mm -hmm. characters got insane. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I understand like why a, they're there. A guy, but... a guy and a dragon would beat a whole army. <laughs> a guy and a dragon should beat a whole army, Brett. <laughs> Not if they have like multiple dragons fighting you. Uh, which dragon is it? Is it Ankelagon the Black? Because I'd still take him. Okay, I don't I think he didn't exist when I played. No, no, no. Ankelagon the Black is the greatest of the black of the dragons in oh, Lord yeah. of the Rings. Oh, Lord, yeah. He's, uh, when he died, he fell and he split a mountain in half. <laughs> oh, so like the uh, uh, the the retribution gods. Ooh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> the the shattering of uh, what is that place called? Wherever the Skorin live, that happened thousands of years ago. Uh, still probably too soon. <laughs> With what's going on now. Yeah, I know. You blow one continent-sized hole in the world, and nobody ever forgives you. Yep. Yeah, I dare you. <laughs> but see, and that, uh, I, okay, I just want, I, that's one thing that I love about War Machine, is there are little storytelling moments like that that influence 
like the entire shape of the history and is reflected in the interaction between two factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So if you're a killer. Um, okay, so I think the game killers like most are fighting games. I was going to say Magic the Gathering is probably a killer game. Not Commander, though. <laughs> not Commander. Well, competitive Commander, but... Oh, sure, CEDH is not Commander, so that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there are games where it's like, yes, these are the rules. Anything within them is legal. The point is to win 1v1, right? Yeah. And you... I don't know why Magic feels more of this way to me than a tabletop game does, but it's probably because... Actually, I know exactly why yeah, the social aspect. Like in Magic, yep. it's very common at the high levels to just not talk, right? Yep. So you know what their you know, cards do in and out. They're going to flip it. They might point at it, and then that's all you get. You mm-hmm. know what they they meant to say, and there's nothing they need to say. Right, and that's that's probably the closest. Like, because you just can't do that in War Machine or any tabletop game, really. Um, I certainly can't. I have to. Like, I'm always talking through my opponent's turn to make sure I understand what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, yeah, so something like that. Now, I think that... Actually, I just don't know so, if there are any tabletop games that are really good for just, like, straight up a person who just wants to win and not interact with their opponent at all. Really? You don't think it's 40k? Um, Buy the latest army. You win a tournament. Uh, rinse and repeat. Maybe like so. Here's the thing, though. There is such. I don't know if you know this. I don't emphasis, like 40k. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um, there's <laughs> such an emphasis on the social aspect of 40k to me, and the hobby aspect of it. That while I think that does exist, I don't think it's as common as it used to be anymore. Okay, I haven't played in a decade. Yeah, well, I I barely play. I play Chaos Knights because they have big stompy robots that I can freehand all over. Um. <laughs> Oh, man. When I got my first Chaos Knight, the first thing I was like, should I freehand Crick's stuff all over this? Would that t- would that make people angry at me? Oh, that's really cool. What's that from? Um, That's War Machine. What's War Machine? I haven't read that book. It's another game. <laughs> and then the question stopped. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't actually do this, but I thought oh, okay. about it. Um, yeah. So maybe it's maybe it's 40K. But, you know, I also feel like there's enough incentives to not be that person now that maybe that's not the case. I mean, my crit, my cricks were, uh, uh, Warcraft fallen Legion themed. Hmm. So so I've done that. Yep. (laughs) Uh, and then the last, uh, type is the achiever, which, um, it's war machine and I don't think it's close. Yeah, you, the four tabletop came in Achiever needs uh, tight, repeatable rules that are the same, preferably worldwide. Mm-hmm. There's they nothing have... Achiever hates more than having spent 100 hours perfecting a thing to go to a city, you know, 10 miles away where they're like, that doesn't work. Yeah. And also, they want to have a pretty good amount of control over what happens, and no other game gives you as much control over the dice as War Machine does. Yes. And while still allowing a new player experience through rubber banding and randomization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clever so, randomization. Yeah. We love you, 2D6 Curve. You're the best. Well, well 
there is no system in the game that competes. There's no system in the world that competes with 2d6 choosing to boost. Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's unique. It's interesting. Um, I, I, it's 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 fun to make decisions about. Um, it's yeah, yeah, we like it. Speaking of which, why do we like War Machine, Brett? Okay, so. Okay, so what what do we like about tabletop games? Um, I want I want someone else to do the story work for me, but mm-hmm. I still want to care about the characters. Mm-hmm. I want um, I want models where I can paint them, and people will go, "Oh, that looks cool." Mm-hmm. I want um, a game where I feel like my skill is reflected on the table without frustrating my opponent or, or feeling like they're never in it. Mm-hmm. And I think the controllable randomness and rubber banding mechanics are the most important way to do that, to make it feel like you're still in the game. Yeah, for sure. And War Machine's rubber banding component, which is assassination, is unique across the entirety of all war games, as far as I'm aware. I don't think there's another one where that has a like a, a king... So Marvel, Marvel Crisis Protocol is funny in that the rubber banding mechanic is if you clear the opponent's table of models, you just win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's extremely difficult to pull off. But when it happens, it feels like a rubber band snapped and hit you. <laughs> yep. I've done it several times now because Thanos is dumb. I, I saw a game where, yeah, there was someone who was winning like 15 to 0. And he had one model on the table that was desperately running away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. I, I've seen that as well. Um, yeah, I think those are all like really good reasons to love War Machine. I will also add to them that I think that um, the War Machine community is pretty unique across the world. It's actually really funny to me looking. I'm, I'm part of many different communities now. Um, War Machine players pretty exclusively are between like the ages of 24 and like 50. And most of them have a pretty good education and most of them are able to like reasonably intelligently talk about the game. So is it reductionist to say that if you make it through the gauntlet, like if, if War Machine is the game for you, it's difficult mm-hmm. to get into. That's why we made mm-hmm. War Machine. We're well aware of this. Yep. If you make it through that gauntlet, it requires a certain mindset, right? Like, yeah. You have to enjoy improving. You have to enjoy, te- uh, you know, teasing apart difficult problems. Yeah, uh, I will also throw another idea out there. Um, War Machine is. This is going to sound kind of crazy, has the potential for the most cinematic moments out of pretty much any game out there because well, because the game can change on very small things, right? Not just that. Consider power attacks. Oh, power attacks are amazing. Like, think about throws, right? Like, yes, Marvel Crisis Protocol has throws built into the system. Marvel Crisis Protocol was built by War Machine players, and I don't think throws are an accident. They're also right? like nearly as devastating. Oh, my God. I mean, it depends on what it is. Sure. Enjoy this oh, size four sorry, piece throwing, of terrain. Throwing yeah, throwing a terrain into someone is a lot more uh, impactful. You're right. Yeah. Um, but, like... Consider throws, consider tramples, consider like all of the different really cool things that attacks can do, like smite or like, um, you know, stationary or well, light things on fire. Thing, 
what's the thing we always say? The reason we love War Machine is because the best spell in the game moves a single model two inches. Yeah. Or, depending on who you ask, it makes a wall. Oh, yeah. Fuck walls. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so I think, like, that it's it's really, it's unfortunate in many ways that War Machine has acquired this reputation for not being interesting and dynamic as far as, like, the story or, or the, the imagery goes. Because, holy heck, there's, there's nothing cooler than picking up something, throwing oh. it across the table like making it land on top of something else that's really important, pushing that thing closer to you and then being able to shoot it to death. Or, you know, like like consider that image in your head of, you know, my my Titan picks up this this light warjack and throws it back at the caster hard enough, like lands on top of it, knocks the caster down, and then a bunch of reavers pop up and shoot him, shoot the caster to death, right? Like no other game has that sequence well, of things happen. So like, and this really tracks my infinity experience, actually. So when I was getting back into infinity, I played a character who could like drop into the middle of the board and had D charges. And so mm -hmm. I landed next to the sniper nest. I put <laughs> explosives on the wall. I broke into the building, climbed up the stairs and cut them in half. And I'm like, Dope. That was awesome. And, yep. and then I go to my next game. And he's like, yeah, I, I kind of made up the rules for that. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Yeah, that's just not how the game works. <laughs> huh. And so that like that cinematic moment is what made me want to play. And mm -hmm. then it's not part of the game like it is War Machine. Right. Yeah. The other thing, any movement tricks in infinity but like moving an opponent's model oh i th they're incredibly rare across war games um marvel crisis protocol has quite a few but you know yes. again designed by war machine players they realize that that's a strength um i 40k barely there's almost nothing that moves enemy models around. so i saw I don't think... a really good description of 40k mm -hmm. um there are only two kinds of rules in 40k ones that increase uh -huh. your range and ones that increase the damage you do I think I said that somewhere, but yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I th I think I said it's it, uh, messes with speed, messes with damage, basically, yeah. right? It's like one of those two things. Um, yeah, and I mean, you don't really have like the coolest thing that I found actually, and I, I found it completely on accident because I was helping a friend play test for something. Is the um, the greater demons for Slanesh? The I can't remember what they're called at this point. Keeper of Secrets. Keeper of Secrets, that one. Um, has a rule that says if I've hit you with the sword, you get minus one to attacks against me or something like that, because you know, you're now enthralled. It's like that's the coolest effect that I've seen on a 40k. Oh, yeah, yeah. like way back eh. when I was playing fantasy, there was a character who um was, uh, they got more attacks the more damage they took. Mm -hmm. And so building around that, I was like, okay, so I give them an extra wound. Okay. How do I get them? To, oh, I can get my friends to, you know, siphon their life force. And then I can cast a spell that does a bunch of damage and heals me for that much. And so it's like that, finding that fun stuff is what I love in games. Nice. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I don't think there's any other, really, like most other tabletop games don't let you mess with your opponent's stuff. Um, like Warcaster well, does. people hate it. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, people also be, love being able to do it. Yeah. Well, that's why I love Monpok. Yeah. The entire game is messing with your opponent's models. Like, everything in that game is secondary to throwing and body slamming. Yeah, that's fair. So I think, like, that 
ability to mess with placement things in War Machine is probably what I love the most about it. Um, but yeah, like let's talk about. So you had a huge long list. Let's talk about the controlled randomization of things for a second here. Um, so if you look at a lot of other game systems, well, randomization. Yeah, can you talk about why randomization is important? Because randomization no one's important. It's not. No, it's not. Uh, so here's why randomization is important. Um, I would challenge you the next time you play War Machine to play like your turn three and four as if the average is the only thing you can ever roll. Because I've done this a few times and it sucks. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, that instantly completely negates like, I don't want to say like all of, but maybe close to 50% of the plans that I end up having or the actions that I take in turn. And like it, it messes with how you damage war beasts in a way that is really hard to see. Yeah. And also like it doesn't let you make decisions as like it, it, cut, it cuts down so on the decision points. There's an extremely have. important phrase that extra credits use that I would try to use all the time. It reduces tactical decisions into calculations. There you go. Like, for example, I need an eight to hit that thing on the flag. And if I get it, then I don't have to devote the rest of my turn to killing it. If all we roll is averages, I never hit that shot. Yes. Right. Uh, whereas with the way War Machine works, I hit it 40% of the time. Which is great. Now. I think the dice math being random is fantastic, but the thing that War Machine also does that's really excellent is you have absolute control over your positioning, which I think is also a really interesting aspect of the game that nobody else quite manages as well. Except for our favorite thing, if you mm-hmm. get, if you have a way to mess with it. If, like yeah, if you can exactly. break their formation with a TK or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, or you know, move them around and face them somewhere else or, or yeah. block line of sight with, with terrain, which, by the way, again... Terrain generation, that's a sweet cinematic thing that not a whole lot of other games do, right? Some of them have better terrain rules. That's true. But that doesn't make the game better, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. Because, yeah, War Machine has an extremely dynamic way of of allowing you to create more terrain mid-game. Like, I'm thinking about this again, actually, and I'm struggling to come oh, yeah. up with it. Remember, remember Rick Markers? <laughs> I liked rec markers. Uh, actually, so if you like that aspect, you should play Malfo. Malfo has a ton of creating terrain on the fly, like an unreasonable amount. I will never get over the card system, Brett. But okay, that's fair. Good, good like, try. Like there's there's a whole faction where, or not a whole faction, a whole sub faction where every single model brings a forest with them, and many of them yeah, can I, make I, more. <laughs> I do like that. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, so, you know, being able to guarantee that I can move this far or I can charge this distance or I know exactly what that is, that, while it is, yes, reduces its calculation, also lets you make decisions based off of um, not just placement, but probabilities for things to succeed. Now, like, for example, yes, I know that your unit can charge my warjack. I think the probability of them killing it is so tiny that that's okay, right? Or I want you to make that mistake. Right, I want you to make that mistake. Or, like, I know your warjack can car or your colossal can charge my warjack. However, if it's over here now, I will probably win. And I want you to make that mistake. And I'm giving you that option. And because isn't isn't that why we like pre-measuring? Yeah. So it turns it from a random feeling like I think I can make that to here's what I've done. Do you Mm -hmm. understand it? Right. It's another um, it's another layer of ability that is not. Like on the surface, pre-measuring makes the game easier for everybody, right? In reality, 
yeah and more accessible it's it's fantastic um and the absolute definition of movement in war machine is one of its strengths because you know there's no random charge distances to like i don't know maybe you can get in uh like for example um my friend has consistently like by consistently made, i think i've tracked it he's made 87 percent of his deep strike charges with his terminators um against my armies what's and the probability for, of it well he needs a nine <laughs> <laughs> okay Continue. so I've I've done my best to mitigate it, right? Like I make it so that he can't put things within certain ranges, and then it, you know, he puts them there. Like make it so he needs the, a nine. Yeah, because well, you you always need at least a nine, right? Because okay. uh, they can't. De- de- yeah, so deep striking is you can't be placed within nine inches of enemy models, okay. and you also can't move normally. But like I'll do things like he can't place within, like he has to place ten inches away from the unit that he actually wants to charge, and he'll still make that charge. Um, Whereas in War Machine, I know that you can't make reflect the skill that you have in that game of knowing how to play against that. Right. Do you remember that? Do do you remember that ancient episode of whatever Emmanuel's podcast I was on was called? Uh, Um, Field of Fire? No, I don't know. Not important. Okay. Um, it was Leyline. It was the circle one. Um, Oh, okay. Then yes, it was Leyline. Yeah, yeah, we we did a really long series on how to fight cloud walls, mm-hmm. right? Because cloud walls are an extremely important thing, and mm-hmm. there are steps you can take to mitigate them that are not obvious and don't require paying for more things, right? And and okay, this is again a League of Legends thing. The most important thing that I love about games is when you can work around a problem without requiring developer intervention. Yes, that's that's the best, 100%. Right, the so, worst is I can't beat X, I need the thing that's specifically de- designed to fight X. Right, yeah, and there's been some times in War Machine's history where that's been a, a thing like guns and shield guards or, you know, Lord of the Feast and two shield guards or... <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. But in general, player ability at the table has always been able to surmount problems. Well, and I would argue that those were some of the biggest mistakes in War Machine. Yeah. Some of the things that had to be fixed. Top, top view. Yeah. Um, But going back to why pre-measuring is actually just like such a huge deal. First of all, like we said, it makes the game more accessible to everybody, right? The second thing is, that it changes the kind of game it is. Sorry. It does change the kind of game. It is a hundred percent. Like let's yeah. talk about um Hellmouth and Mark II. Same spell. Oh god. <laughs> no, it was not, the not, same spell, right? Yeah, it was exactly the same spell. Uh not the unit, the spell. Yeah, the unit. Hellmouth didn't exist in Mark II, the unit. Um yeah. but because you could not pre-measure the three inch distances at all, you could basically yeah. never plan Ish. around it. And so you were like, all right, this is this is like two and a bit inches, I think. So this is the distance because it's safe, right? Or like, holy crap, charges were the worst. Um, unless you could do the the math required to like figure out that you were definitely in. Which the trigonometry. Yeah, the trigonometry, which is something that I think you should have no bearing on like whether or not you're good at a war game. Yes, this, someone um, described, they actually described WTC this way, which I don't know if I agree with, but um, I really like how they talked about how it is testing a skill 
that I do not feel is important to uh, winning the game or improving at the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, about that, but. yeah. I, I mean, for like, for me, I can do all that math in my head. I'm a math teacher. And so I don't, I didn't have to talk about what I was doing on my turn. I could just, you know, put something in a place and then based off of two other measurements that I was allowed to make at various points in the turn. I think I could Emmanuel like, told me a story where he spent a couple years working in a warehouse and he uh-huh. can just eyeball anything between three and 12 inches from any distance. It's like he just has that skill. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can do the same thing with two inches. I just know yeah. where that is. Yeah. Um, but those those aren't applicable to the tabletop, so they yeah. shouldn't matter. But Why then, are we rewarding that? Right. And then pre-measuring comes along and people are like, but it changes this. Like it's changed the game. Yes, it does. But it's a good change. You do know exactly where everybody can move and can't move. But at the same time, the math is still really important. The dice odds once they get there is really important. And more importantly than that, it now allows you to do crazy things would, that would you agree with me if I said that the core of War Machine is mitigating the odds? Yeah. I mean, there's more to it, but yeah, I mean, mitigating the odds, like, mitigating the dice, making like the best possible setting up thing. complex plans to make low real percentage assassinations more likely, like mm-hmm. um, boosting dice or messing with dice in a way to make them more reasonable, um, setting up uh, yeah, like setting up uh, or like allowing small randomness things to, that you think will be safe versus, um, you know, like relying on high randomness things. Yeah, I think so. And this is this is an interesting strength because many people describe this as a weakness for the system. And I just don't think that's true. And here's why. Um, it is a weakness when there are too many things on the table for new players. But, oh, like or Arcadius. <laughs> or okay, oh, sure, whatever. Um, Arcadius <laughs> cheats. Ignore Arcadius. No, no, it doesn't I, exist. I'm specifically talking about Arcadius versus Axis. Like Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the branches just explode. Yeah, yeah. The the prob- the lines of possibilities are just like it's worse than the multiverse. Um Yes. But at its core, and this is this is another thing that I think is really interesting about War Machine, is that at its core, War Machine was more of a skirmish game than an army game when it was designed. And the rules really reflect that. They're excellent rules for playing with skirmish. 20 to 30 models on a, on a table side. You know, I, I wonder if uh, that had any influence on how we designed War Machine. Uh, probably. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what that is, right? It's War Machine, but scaled down to skirmish size. Yeah, well, and it's actually really interesting because when we were designing Brawl Machine, I did go and look a little bit for what Mark One was like. Mm-hmm. It was Brawl Machine sized, approximately. Yeah, there just weren't any Orjacks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and, and this is one of those interesting things because, so like, let's let's talk about all the things that I love about War Machine's like, di- attack system. Let's just start with that. You make a, a targeting attack, and then you make a damaging attack against armor. This is done individually, which is completely different than every other game out there that has more than like five models per side because it gives a second access i find it really irritating when monpox is a great example of this of when an extremely evasive model and Mm -hmm. you know someone with a ton of a blade of armor use the same defensive stat right um yeah i agree and then so that takes like that can take a long time like absolutely if you're making 40 attacks per turn that takes forever. However, 
War Machine was originally designed to play with many less models. And as you think about that, that makes a lot of sense. It well, that's does why not scale so as great, well. right? Right. Yeah. Because they're, you know, compact. They're forcing the number of models down. They're making each model's activation more dynamic and less supportive. Mm-hmm. But, and this is where I think a lot of people run into the idea where War Machine's rules are outdated in some sense is not because that they're actually bad because they're really good. Um, it's that they were designed for something slightly different than what it's being played as. And I think Which that's a really that's hard distinction. for designers to control, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm well, no, well, it's not. So it, it, the, it is. So d- developers talk about the conversation you have with players mm-hmm. where you present the rules and then their response is how they interpret them. Okay. So like that is the only way that you have to influence player is players is what the words on the paper say. Right. Yeah, and that's so, fair. So the, you know, perfect designers will write a system of rules that players will play exactly as they intend. And that doesn't exist. No, so that never happens. No. Um yeah, and I think that's probably fair. But, you know, I love that targeting system. I love the defense and armor system with the individual attacks. I think that's great. It's it's fantastic. It allows for so much flexibility of choice. It allows for very unique. Do you like attacking your own models? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those um, left field things that you can use when it's necessary to get around a problem. Well, and here's the other thing, right? Like, I'm a general trying to accomplish a specific mission that maybe is mission critical for my army, right? And we're in the Iron Kingdoms where laws... Life is cheap. <laughs> yeah, life is cheap. And laws about, you know, war crimes don't exist. Am I going to hesitate to explode my own warjack to get something done? No. Am I going to hesitate to sacrifice that trencher? No. I have to get this done or thousands and thousands of people die. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's another one where you're playing the risk reward i am mm-hmm. i am giving up this in order to get an advantage that i think is worthwhile yep so yeah i i just think there are so many wonderful things about the war machine system of play that i'm i'm glad are there because they're unique right like think about every other game well, i i want i want to emphasize that mm-hmm. war machine is the only game on the market that emphasizes these things. Yeah. Like, let's just go through all of the games that really exist right now. There's Marvel Crisis Protocol. Completely different system. It has an attack versus defense defense pool. Well, um, and the intent of the design is more for storytelling and mm-hmm. cinematic moments than it is for clear skill. And you can tell that in the way that they're designing models. Yep, 100%. Um, there's X-Wing, which is totally different uh it emphasizes your ability to predict movement and and that's actually you know x-wing x-wing is a interesting parallel to war machine it is um but it's also very different because again you have an attack and a defense pool and you're not like you know armor and agility are basically the same thing right Mm -hmm. um there's armada i don't know much about armada but it sounds similar to x-wing as far as dice mechanics go yeah, except it's harder to control things. It's more about predicting the future. Yeah, there's Star Wars Legion, which uses a Marvel Crisis Protocol-esque mi- dice system mixed with like some weird 
Warhammer. <laughs> some some movement rules you don't like. Yeah. Um, there's uh, the Warhammer Warcaster. series of games. Sure, Warhammer series of games. Um, Which and is, all of the things li- that like them. Yeah, where you're in range, you're going to make attacks. Um, it's it's a matter of math. Yeah, it's like one of the things that bugs me about people that are like, yeah, Warhammer is just so much less math. I'm like, um, you're wrong, actually, because it's more it is a solvable problem because yeah, it doesn't require interaction. I could come up with a series of lists and, you know, say, OK, you know, I'm going to see this X percent of the time. So I need this many resources to fight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also just because everything's right. Yeah. And the entire attack sequence, actually, this is what bugs me about Warhammer more than anything else. The entire attack sequence is so binary that once you've committed to it, um, the the probabilities, uh, because you're rolling so many dice, are mm-hmm. really, 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 really accurate. Um, well, yeah, it's, it, it uses the law of large numbers in a way to make the game more boring. <laughs> sure. Right. More consistent for sure. Yeah, like it, it depends on on who you ask. But yeah, absolutely. And it's part of the reason why I'm drawn to these huge chaos knights, partially because they're fun to paint, partially because they don't get to make as many attacks. So they don't they don't. So end when up they using... miss, it's a goddamn disaster. Right. And when they hit, they kill whatever they touch. Yeah. So, you know, they don't they don't fall into that rule of large numbers as easily as the other factions. Um, but yeah, like people that go yeah no warhammer is much more casual it's much less math i'm like no it's entirely math based like let's just throw some examples out there i'm making 40 shots first of all i hate doing that second of all <laughs> let's say they hit on threes okay uh actually that's really hard to math let's do fours let's do fours let's say they hit on fours now i know that i'm going to hit between probably like 18 and 22 of my shots that's the the, the likely variance there <clears throat> now let's say that i wound on fours again so i'm yeah Yeah, i'm doing the easiest possible nine to eleven nine to eleven wounds and then they have i have ap minus two and they have a three up save so now they're saving two-thirds of their things or sorry they only save one third of the things they're taking three six six to to eight yeah really six eight damage six eight wounds which then depending on what the wound tracker is per attack which which is an insane insane tiny range for such a huge starting number yeah and it's like it's so easy to predict it once you understand how the math works and and ranges and charges are so consistent ironically um that you will always be in combat and Mm -hmm. the cover rules are such a goddamn mess that you can actually math around them too yeah so and, and that's one of the things that makes 40k to me so frustrating because like there are some really good rules about that 40k has but i do not like their combat system at all so so when i was talking about a strategic decision being reduced to a calculation it's actually a really similar similar situation this they were talking about world of warcraft's old talent trees Mm -hmm. um which look like a complex series of choices where you're trying to get the best synergies however um it's actually a calculation. There is a right answer because mm-hmm. many of them were broken or like didn't function right. Or some of them worked together, like with your important things, and other ones affected irrelevant things. And so there was often a solution. And I think that's what 40 K is masking. Yeah. And they're doing a reasonably good job of it. But you know, once you look at it really hard with a mathematician's sort of 
gaze. It's it's pretty obviously there. Um, other games that exist that have nothing at all like War Machine rules. Um, you've got Malifaux, which uses a card system, which is an entirely different probability system. Um, well, so the thing I love about Malifaux's probability system, um, mm-hmm. except for the times when I break it, um, is that it is not a random uh, randomness management system. It is a resource management system. You, the cards you have in your hand are the resource that you're trying to uh, invest in important places. Mm-hmm. And so knowing when to use those and when it's important and guessing what resources your opponents have is, um, is what makes that game tick. And I yeah. think that's why it's comparable to War Machine, is that it has that control of probability in important situations. Yeah. It also has the reason that I can't stand it, which is that no matter how good you are at it, there will come situations where your opponent will have a card and you're just like, I literally have none of those left in my deck or nothing that beats them. So I guess I can't do anything now. I mean, they nerf this, but I mean, you just play the the list that only has face cards after a couple turns. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound fun either, though. Oh, it was very fun for me. <laughs> yeah, because people are doing these like complicated Malifaux things. Like, okay, I got this synergy. I got this one killer model. I'm like, I have math this out. Like, yes, you're going to kill five models. I'm going to summon three in that time, and they're going to be just so mathematically better than you. It's unstoppable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Malifaux. And then, you know, Infinity uses a D20 system, which again has its own that's... really interesting set of uh, dice maths that go along with it. But again, it's kind of like. That one, that one's interesting because it has the aspect of it's really exciting when you roll a crit. Mm-hmm. It's also extremely frustrating because it comes up so rarely that you're like, this should never happen. Right. Well, and it's also it's weird because, you know, you have sort of War Machine-esque like, but you don't like you're trying to hit a target number kind of like War Machine for defense, but it's your own ability. Your opponent's stuff doesn't interact with it particularly um often extremely you're often trying to beat their number well sure yeah that yeah face-to-face rolls for sure but like but again that's an attack and a defense pool not like a defense number and then an armor number like all of these things are binary is my problem with them whereas armor values and the role that you make against armor and war machine is scalable yes rolling a huge number has a huge impact on the game even like I, I guess the closest analog is like Marvel Crisis Protocols and, and other games oh, with dice. That was so swinging! Oh my god! Yeah, but there's <laughs> the mathematics is so bad, right? Like they try to mask the math behind arbitrary, like proprietary dice. X Wing does this too, um, mm-hmm. but you know you can like a high roll is a big deal, but it's not a big deal because you're hitting against a static target, and it's not because you like applied a series of buffs to get the thing there. It's because oh, I rolled a bunch of crits. Yeah, I like feel bad when I do like ten damage with a normal attack. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like, um, well, well, I guess that's how this sor- game's gonna go. Sor- sorry, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Like mathematically, you should have blocked two of those, and I should have only done like four damage, so you should have taken two damage. But I guess you're taking like nine now, so rip. <laughs> um, yeah. So War Machine to bring this back is completely unique in its movement system for large units of things. It's uh, engagement system. It's dedication to guns being relatively short range and low impact compared to other games with them. It's dice. Uh, it's attack sequence. We haven't it's even con- talked about scenarios. No, and we probably don't have time to. But yeah, 
but like I feel like well, we did an entire critique of steamroll in the last episode. Go listen to it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like War Machine is completely, utterly alone in this space, and it's such a fascinating set of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so you know it's why we love it. It's it's does nothing like most other games do. It's completely on its own. It's very very cool. And also, Ashland's awesome. And also, yeah, well, and Ashland, actually, Ashland's I say awesome. that as a joke, but um, uh, like I love the characters. I love Barnabas. I love Maylock. Like, oh yeah, their their lore is you know really really their lore good. Is so different, developed. And for a long time, it was the only one that was like advancing, and like yeah, big world sweeping changes were happening too. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's good lore. It's a fantastic setting. The the place is really well thought out and super duper um fleshed out and there's still so much to see yep i hope we get to yeah so we like war machine turns out <laughs> can you tell <laughs> 200 episodes of war machine brett was like no we've done other things about other cat things and i'm like no we've pretty much only talked about war machine brett yeah <laughs> we tried to do something else the patrons patrons revolted a little bit <laughs> anyway uh, I think we're probably done unless you have anything else you want to check on at the end here. No, I think that's that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, uh, Brett mentioned them, but we do want to give a huge thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. You guys are fantastic. Uh, quick reminder for everybody, next month's casts will not be charged through Patreon because we're uh, adjusting um, starting next month. They're going to be 30, 30 minute war machine, 30 minute ish war machine podcasts. And uh, we'll be starting a second podcast name and logo to be announced quite soon, I think. <laughs> um, yep. And uh, so, you know, if you want to check that out, it's our tip jar and you can join for absolutely no cost uh, for a month starting in January. And that's patreon.com slash LOS War Machine. There's no content locked behind that. It's just, you know, it's it, yeah. Um, if you want to contact us, the best way to do that is through our discord, probably at this point, because it's where we spend most of our time. You can find the link to that in our show notes, or you can find another Facebook page, which is line of sight, or you can message any of us on Facebook. Although I can't guarantee we'll see it because Facebook's message system is insane. Or you can email us at loswarmahorns at gmail.com, or you can find Chandler on Twitter at Ch- LOS underscore choke. Wait, nope. I got too nope. mixed up there, didn't I? At LOS underscore Chandler. Um, because Brett and I basically never check ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, also huge, huge thanks to Tyson at figurepainters.com. He's been like, uh, like almost since the beginning of the podcast. He's been a sponsor. He's got fantastic resin base inserts, wonderful painting tutorials, and he's the guy who runs LVO, uh, MCP, War Machine, Warcaster, Brawl Machine, all that stuff. So huge thank you to him. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Make sure you tune in next week, 8.15-ish Pacific time, December 30th. It's a Thursday. Uh, We're going to be live streaming the podcast for everybody to come hang out with us. And if you thought this one was long, (laughs) boy, have you seen nothing yet? (laughs) Because that one's going to be a stinker. Anyway, a stinker. Like bad? No, like like a rascal, like a. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a parent. It's going, we say it's going to be very long. <laughs> it's going to be very long. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm excited. 
anyway thanks everybody we'll see you next week bye bye